Okay, let's just do a mic check. Mic, mic check, mic check. We're going to do this podcast today. How long are these podcasts for? Four hours. Four hours. I want to give students a different way of being in my classroom. And I think I want delight and play and awe and wonder and imagination to mm. be just like loyal companions in my classroom. Hey, everybody, welcome back to season two. Season two, we're just kind of underway with season two now, Cam. This is nothing new anymore. We're, we're two episodes in. You guys are one episode we're in. We're one? One so episode in. Two? Yeah. This is, yeah, this we're is making number two. two. I'm sorry. But you started with, I mean, Dave Mustard, you know? He's a good guy. I feel very honored that I'm two. Hey. Episode two, so... Sarah, episode two honored. of season two, so yes. it's kind of the most important Ooh, one. Oh, yes. it's our golden birthday of the podcast. Is that, does that make sense? <laughs> I don't know. Good try. We'll cut, we'll cut all <laughs> this. Of, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> so Sarah, you just corrected me. Sarah, not with an H, talk to us. You said that's a pet peeve of yours? It's a pet peeve of mine. I mean, I understand because... You know, you hear the name Sarah, and you want to add an H there at the end. I don't know why, but yeah, you're right. But Sarah. because my name is Sara, technically. Oh, Sara. There's know? no H in that. Yeah, there's no, no H in that. So, But it's a common mistake all the time. So that's okay. It's the last time I made that mistake. Yeah. Now, just, now you know. Now you've learned. Now I have learned. Do you guys oh. have to do a rapid fire? No, we used to we, do, rap we used to do it. We, we can do some if rapid you want to do I would love fire. a rapid Let's, let's okay. do some rapid That's fire. That's why I got wanna... in on this show. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you we I'm ready. Favorite color? Turquoise. Favorite book? Uh, Three Girls in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. Favorite movie? Inception. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I love that <laughs> movie. <laughs> favorite? <laughs> Come on. Wait, does it just have to be favorite? Rapid fire. Uh, favorite place to go in the world, if you could go anywhere in the world right now. I would love to go to Italy. She's good at this. Keep going. Favorite food? Ooh, what I would... kind s- of food? Okay, Honduran food. If I could really? open a Honduran food truck, maybe this is a plug right here. I have but a story about this later. Really? A food truck? Okay. In Honduras. Um, really? Honduras? Yes. Wow. What? Kind of. Uh, so I think kind Honduran of. food is the best food out there. Mm, it's just yes. not presented the best way. So I think if I could get a chef to do it almost like in tapas format, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Small, um, small plates. I think I could have a really good business. It could be a food truck. It could be like a restaurant. But yes, so that's my favorite food would be Honduran food. Favorite animal? Ooh, flamingo. If you flamingo. could be an animal, yes. what animal would you be? <laughs> a flamingo. Oh. Same. Actually, I would be a snake. I take that back. Oh wow! I, explain that one, yes, please. I know this I, is rapid fire, but uh, yes, I am fascinated by snakes. Um, I don't know very many facts they now that I realize it. But just like when you go to the zoo um, yeah. and you see a snake, they're they're so scary, but they're fascinating. Like yeah. they're so beautiful. Yes. So I think they're so cool because exactly. like we can't pick them up. We can't like hold them or whatever. You but, can come to find out. Well, I I can, there's many that you can't. That's true. Sorry. But like <laughs> when all these poisonous frogs and snakes or whatever were like. Oh, they're so scary, but they're so cool, and we just want to look at them. And I think it's because we can't normally. Because yes. if they were just a normal part of our lives, we'd be like, yeah, it's just a frog. Yeah, everywhere. But mm-hmm. no, it's an orange frog with yes. a big black stripe down the middle. Exactly. What's your favorite kind of music or song? Hey, that was my question. <laughs> uh, my question. It's uh, Sufjan Stevens' song, uh, To Be Alone With You, is the name of that Never song. heard of it. 
You should uh, listen to it. Yeah. Be alone. You. <laughs> Just that like that. It uh, could be. I don't know. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> is that it? Yeah, this exactly. This is probably the biggest yeah. shot in a dark <laughs> effort. Sufjan, if you're listening. So, Sarah, <laughs> your relationship with Holland Christian in particular, when was your first, what was kind of your first interaction with Holland Christian and when was that? It's been, it's been a while now. Yeah. Um, so, I had a field placement at Holland Christian with the one and only Mark Hiskus. Oh. Uh, so, I was at Hope College and I was taking this education class. And no then, uh, yeah, kind of, right? And then uh, Deb Van Dynan asked Mark if uh, he could have a student. And so, you know, I kind of weaseled my way into Holly yes. Christian. And then I loved it. Like, I, I grew up going to a Christian school. And so I kind of wanted to teach at a Christian school. And I think it's because it was all I knew. And so I kind of felt comfortable. Um, and... But, I, you know, it, it was different, though, as well than my own experience at a Christian school and then just loved it. So I wanted to student teach here. That's got to be when I had that field placement, 2012, maybe. Okay, um, so you did. So that was student teaching, actually, or was it just a field just placement? A placement? Okay, yeah, just a field placement. And then in 2014, then that's when I did my field oh, okay, placement. Okay. With Elizabeth Mock and then Arda Rooks. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm. Yep. And so all in English, I was teaching sophomores and then a freshman class and then a little bit of creative writing. I taught like a unit in creative okay. writing. So Okay, so yeah. tell us a little bit about leading up to that. Where are you from? Where are you where how did this passion to teach and specifically literature type stuff in particular is a real passion of yours? How did that happen? Tell us a bit of that story if you yeah. would. So that's a long one. But uh, I so I grew up, was born and grew up in Honduras in Tucialpa, which is mm. the capital. Uh, it's this beautiful country uh, with really warm weather and warm people, I would mm -hmm. say. And um, like I said before, I went to a Christian school all throughout my life. So I've been learning English. It's kind of like that immersion program here, mm. but I did it, you know, the other way around where mm. I was learning English and then I spoke Spanish at home. Um, and so a lot of my teachers were from the United States or Canada all throughout my okay. life. Um, and so I had a lot of like Americanized, um, you know, education as well as influence. Um, but then I come from a, from a line of, of teachers as well. Uh, so my grandfather was a teacher. My aunt uh, is a teacher as well. So I think, you know, it's just kind of in my blood. But I do remember being young, and um, I was thinking about this today. I, like, in my house, uh, we had this, like, kind of cistern. Um, it was like an outside pool, you know, where we would, like, store water just in case and there was a little tank and so this tank was kind of covered and it created almost like a desk um, and mm. so when I was little I would bring like my markers and my notebooks uh, and I would have like school there like I was huh. a teacher you know and I had my students, which I think were all like imaginary, imaginary yes. friends. <laughs> yeah. And then I would grade. I loved grading. I think in my really? mind, yeah, oh, you're I my know. hero. And yet That's you, amazing. You were with Mark Hiskus, who yeah. says that the worst part, or that they pay him to grade papers, not to teach. Oh, absolutely. Well, that yeah. was that was when I was a kid. Because yeah. for me, grading it meant like you know, like twenty out of twenty, and then I could put like a gold sticker on yes. the paper or something like that. Yes, the now note that at has the top. changed. They yeah, like grading the good. 
good papers. Yes, yeah. exactly. Those, you know, the ones that I could put a sticker on. Uh-huh. Um, of course. So, yeah, that definitely is not my experience anymore. <laughs> I don't think I even have stickers. Maybe I should get stickers and, yeah. you know, go back to that childhood passion. Good. The power cam. Do you know what kind of power there is in putting a slap and a gold sticker on a piece of paper? You could make someone's day. Oh. Or you could ruin it by Absolute, not giving yes. them a gold star. Gold stars. It's quite the motivation, though. It is. Truly, truly is. Honestly, yeah. So you're just a little kid playing teacher, grading papers. How about from there? Stuck with you? Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know how people say, like, find what, you know, you were passionate about when you were a child. So I think that stuck with me. I just really enjoyed it. And I loved school supplies. Like, school supplies, you know, like at the beginning of the year, when (laughs) you would get the list, and it was Mm. like... It was like the worst day ever, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) The list is like, oh, no, school is starting. I'd get, like, some new nice pens. Oh, yes. yes. I'd get all the new stuff. You know, new crayons. Oh, Oh, my gosh. I would always feel sick when, like, stores started to put school stuff out as a kid. I'm like, oh, no, it's coming. School's back, too. I love the first day of school. It was so exciting and you're like you get to bring in all this new stuff your backpack's just full and then yes how you know? old are we talking Cameron? are you saying like this past summer talking, you felt that like, <laughs> even this year yeah good i'm so happy to hear except that except for now all i bring to school is a pencil my computer and earbuds earbuds which we confiscate yeah confiscate so i say that right well yeah i mean and i didn't even have a computer back then so it's like all the notebooks mm-hmm. and yeah. you know and, and the pens yeah class. the loose leaf paper it was so exciting yes. so um, so my father is a doctor and he's a gastroenterologist. Okay. So he deals with all like stomach and uh, digestive system. Hmm. And so he would go to conferences and he would bring a lot of pens or like notepads, you know, and they oh, were all yeah. like pharmaceutical company or, or products. Um, and so I love that. So I was like, okay, I want to be a doctor. Mm. Um, so when I was younger, the I wanted pens. to be, I know, I was like, over. yes, exactly. I was like, I want to, you know, be stacked with pens like this. <laughs> uh, and then I shadowed him for like one time where he was doing an endoscopy. So that's where like a little tube goes down your throat and it has a camera at the mm-hmm. end of the tube. Oh, wow. And so you can see, um, you know, from the esophagus to the stomach, all of that. Um, and I I could not handle it. Like, I think like blood and all that. I was like, mm. just kidding. This is not for me. <laughs> and I was like, I could get pens much easier. <laughs> but just being a teacher and not going through however many years med students have to go through. So that was the end of my very, very brief um, medical career. I think that was a smart choice if yeah. you were just in it for the pens. <laughs> yes, for the pens. Yeah. True, I would have been, yeah. So if you were a surgeon cutting someone open and you're like, I'm just, I'm here for the pens, <laughs> yes. honestly. This is... I'm out, you know? <laughs> so, but so yeah, then, then I had a really good high school, high school years, I would say. Like I had some great great teachers. Um, and honestly, most influential people in my life have been teachers from elementary school to high school um, to college. Like I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just feel like I'm, I'm attracted to to educators, you know, and I think they have a lot of wisdom um, and they taught me so much. And so I think I wanted to to be have that role in someone's life as well. Hmm. Um, and so I think a combination of those things, I mean, from the stickers to the pens to the, you know, possibility of being a mentor, just being a friend and accompanying someone on their journey. And especially in high school when you have so many questions and, you know, just, yeah, just accompanying people in that so way. You you went to high school in Honduras, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
and then you said you went to Hope. Yes. Those are very far apart. How, <laughs> yes. how did that happen? Oh, that's my favorite question, Kim. So um, I had a guidance counselor that graduated from Hope, and then oh, she cool. went and worked at uh, my school. So the name of my school is Academia Los Pinares, which translates to Academy of the Pine Trees. You want to say that? Um, <laughs> Academy yeah, of the Pine Trees. No, no. The, uh... <laughs> the first one. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I won't say it. It's good. We got it. Okay, teach me. Say it. Oh, Academia. Academia. Los. Los. Pinares. Pinares. Yeah, Pinares. You got it. Academia de los Pinares. Uh, Academia Los Pinares. Los Pinares. Yeah. Okay. No day. Um, yeah, no day. Just Los Pinares. So I grew up wearing a uniform and it was an all green uniform. So it mm. was like a checkered. Trees. Yeah, exactly. Makes yes. sense, right? Checkered shirt, uh, white and green, and then it was like green slacks. Um, and so, hmm. yeah, just a fun little tidbit there. Uh, and I'm a big proponent for uniforms, actually. Yeah. I, if I could Me wear a too. uniform as a teacher, I think we should, like some nice overalls. We can yes. have spaces for our markers and pens. We can design them, Sarah. You yes, and I. Because honestly. I would be at school at 5.30 a.m. if I didn't have to make choices in the morning. I just exactly. stand there and I'm so tired and I'm like, oh. We could have different colors, you yes. know. It, I mean, it would just simplify things. Boom. You heard it here on the podcast. Yes. I, this is where decisions are made, I'd by the way. I wear like a suit to school every day. I, I feel like I would just, I f it feels so cool in the morning, just like putting on a suit and you just yes. feel good about yourself right away. Because you look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, I look good. <laughs> yes. That's what the uh, teacher here used to say all the time. He'd say, when you're just good, you feel good. When just you feel good, 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 you do good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that works too. I think, yeah. Sure, if that's right. scientific, but yeah, so it seems right. <laughs> I like that. Seems there, there's wisdom there, uh -huh. <laughs> I would say. Maybe. Um, yeah, so anyways... Uh, yeah, uniforms, and then, um, so this guidance counselor, she graduated from Hope, for, and so she told me about it, but the true story of how I found out about Hope and how I ended up here in Holland, Michigan, is through, um, I hope a well-known name, uh, an artist by the name of Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. And so Sufjan Stevens uh, is a Hope alum um, that I discovered his music, I think when I was a sophomore in high school, in love, like just loved his music. And so I remember like Googling him and it said that he went to Hope College. And I was like, good enough for Sufjan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good enough for me. Yeah. So I applied, um, never, you know, never checked out the campus or anything like that. I think I always had a dream to come to the United States and study because mm. um, by then I did know that I was interested in literature because of my English teacher um, and then my Spanish literature teacher as well, which were just phenomenal. Just people that knew so much and were able to connect literature to life mm. um, and they introduced me to poetry and different poets. And so I think that's what cemented it. Um, and then, yeah, and then Sufjan cemented Hope College and I ended up in Holland, Michigan in 2014. 14, right? No, 2010. What am I saying? In the fall of 2010. And then I thought I was going to be here for four years and then get out of here. But Holland, Michigan just kind of pulls you in. Mm. And so <laughs> yeah. I've been here for 10 years now, wow. which is yes. a little crazy. No, not all those 10 have been teaching here because this is kind of a return for you. Where were you yeah. between? It's like a return of the Jedi. Return. That's mm. kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah return I of know, the Jedi. Yeah. Let's get hey. sponsored by Star Wars. So where <laughs> were you, Luke Skywalker, between <laughs> episodes 2014 and yes. 2020? 
Yes, absolutely. So that's been a journey. Um, so, so because I'm from Honduras, I rely on either like study visas um, or like student visas or work permits or work visas. And so after graduating from Hope, I came and worked at Holland Christian for a year because as a international student, you get one year after graduating where you can practice what your major was in. Um, in. And so I had that one year. And during that year, Holland Christian uh, sponsored me for a work visa. And the way that that works, a little bit of a complicated system, but it's basically a lottery system where they put in your application. And so there's a certain amount of work visas that are um, given out each year. But then the, I mean, I don't even know the number now, but the number of people that apply, it's like maybe triple the amount of visas that mm. they give. And mm. so that's why it's a lottery system. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't get picked um, the first time. And then I went to good old Calvin University to get my master's of education. You're a Jedi um, master. I am a Jedi master. Mm. I guess so. But then, uh, so yeah, I studied there because that's, you know, it's a simpler way of staying in the country, honestly. Um, and so studied there for two years, came back to Holland Christian, work visa journey again, didn't get it again, and then ended up at Western Theological Seminary. So I like to say I'm just kind of hopping around all these yes. like Western Michigan uh, <laughs> institutions. And, yeah, you've uh, been to all of me, Calvin, Western Seminary. Yes, That's incredible. Hope College, yeah. And so um, now I'm in my last semester at Western. So I just have one more class to go, and then I'll be done with just a Master's of Arts. So. Sarah, I imagine yeah. there is a frustration. I mean, I'll just say from our end, knowing how incredible, how such such a gifted teacher you are from even your student teaching. I mean, just remember everybody talking about Sarah Sanchez and like how just an incredible teacher she is. There's been a frustration of like, oh, you know, when, when the when the visa d didn't work out, all those things. Was that wasted time or were you seeing, looking backwards, was, have good things come of those experiences Kelvin, Western, other places. Yeah, honestly, it's it's hard not to look at it as wasted time because I I had a a plan, right? I had my mm. five year plan, and so I had a pretty straight trajectory where I knew what I wanted. I knew I loved teaching, and so you know. And they say like, give yourself five years, and after five years, that's when you're kind of like you're getting the hang of things, right, as a teacher. And I didn't I didn't get that. Like, I didn't get that stability. Mm. And so, absolutely. I mean, even with seminary, like, it's it's been hard not to look at it as, like, why did I end up in seminary? Mm. Um, even though I love learning and I love schools, I'm a little burned out. Mm. Um, and it's it's been hard. So it has to be a very conscientious thing for myself to be, like, there are some really good things about those times where I went to Calvin, when I went to Western, uh, things that I would have not gotten the opportunity to learn or experience people that I've met, ideas that I've encountered. Um, but there's also a little bit of, of self-doubt because I've been out of teaching and because I haven't had mm. those five years of the stability. Um, you know, it just feels like I have to start again every time that I kind of leave and then come back. And so... Yeah, there's definitely frustration. Um, you know, there's a lot of kind of dark nights of the soul mm. um, and just, just wondering, um, yeah, why why it had to be this kind of winding road 
um, to end up where I am now. But hmm. I'm hoping that it will make sense at some point. I'm also ready to abandon that idea and just feel like that's how the cookie hmm. crumbled sort of thing. And, um, you know, and just, yeah, find gratitude in the moments that I can. Hmm. And then the, the, le- the, the rest of the stuff, leave it to mystery, hmm. I think, which has become one of my favorite words because life is a mystery. Like life just never truly goes how you want it it to go. And Mm. I think before I had that mindset, like I think before the first work visa, um, you know, dare I say failure, like it, life was going pretty great. You know, it was just like, all right, I had something in mind, it happened. um, And so life unraveled in this linear way and then it didn't. And so then that was a rude awakening. um, And I think in that I can see the growth there. Mm. Like I think I needed to go I needed to go through that. So, yeah. You mentioned the word mystery, spent some time at SEM. Would you say, I'm just thinking about how the, the, our concept of, of who God is and then that word mystery, how do they interact? Do they overlap? Not so much. What are your thoughts on God and mystery? Yeah. For so long, I was trying to uh, make God in my own image. And so um, the moment that I access, you know, the word mystery or... Um, it's the reason why I enjoy poetry. It's the reason, um, you know, why my favorite classes at Western were not uh, systematic theology, but Hebrew, for example. And so uh, it's because I think I I was a little bit tired of of just the the sweet and simple answers, um, and they're very comfortable. And and sometimes I can find myself like I just want an answer, you know. And so sometimes I have to go back and and just be able to to be open to just the questions and the questions just remaining open. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned through this time is just um, my relationship with God. And um, I had a really good friend tell me, you know, when, when you go through these moments, it's kind of like, I'll pray about it or, um, you know, how's your t- time with, with God and, and, and with Jesus? And so... I I was like, yeah, I know I need to pray more and I need to do this and need to do that. And my friend was like, you know, don't don't even do it for that. Just do it for the friendship aspect. Like don't expect anything out of it. And even that simple word friendship, like it it really changed things for me where it's like when you spend time with a friend, it's, you're, it's not like a, a transaction. Um, mm. And I think oh, I was, yeah. yeah, I was looking at, at God as a transaction. Like, all right, mm. the more time I put in, then the more good things will happen. And um, now I'm trying to look at it more as, as a friendship. Mm. And so, but yeah, but I think it's just that even that wrestling that has brought me closer. I love those two words with each other because it's almost a little juxtaposition happening. I feel like with friendship is such a near and intimate word and mm. mystery seems like a far off word yes. almost sometimes, but the two together to describe a relationship with God think that's kind of we uh, we actually talked about that mystery aspect a little in discipleship this morning yeah. where like the people at the time all of the gods that they worshiped had these super elaborate birth stories and like you knew where they come from but genesis starts saying like God created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't tell us where God came from. Genesis 0. We it's don't just, have a yeah. God's there and he's like it doesn't matter how I got here. Do you believe that I'm here? Do you trust me? And do you trust me that I'll carry you through these things? Because 
if we're able to believe in a God that we don't even know where he came from, it seems like kind of hard to also believe like, okay, he's going to carry me through life and this mystery. But it's also kind of amazing, the faith we have to have. So. Absolutely, yeah, that was and, and really interesting. Um, through Western, you know, we studied Genesis in in a Hebrew class, and that just completely turned. It. I mean, the study of of you know the original language of the text, mm-hmm. and just like getting glimpses of God. And um, I remember studying about, um, and sometimes this is lost in that translation, but like God almost like placing the stars like one by mm. one in the sky. And so like that for me opened up a different side of God that I hadn't seen. Just God is like playing mm. uh, and just like delighting in creating. Oh, yeah, uh, so beautiful. So beautiful. And it's like I just I hadn't had that before. Um, and so, you know, and I probably wouldn't have had that if I had just kept on teaching, yeah. honestly. And so mm. it's like <laughs> moments like that that I'm like, Okay, I need to slow down and just think of, of those those moments. That, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a G.K. So Chesterton quote. I'm going to not remember it perfectly, but the idea of God, you know, sometimes we imagine creation kind of on autopilot that God created and now it's kind of going, right? But G.K. Chesterton just had this beautiful little description of God every day creating every blade of grass and every mm. day just because like he loved it. It was an outpouring of his delight right. that like creation being manual instead of uh, automatic. Is that the right word, manual? Yeah. Like God, this is a beautiful picture of what, I think you're right, in the Hebrew you get so much of this, this these powerful pictures of God yes. that can be lost in translation. Like lavishing love, you know, like an, a painter just on a canvas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making those strokes, so. I love what you said, it was a while back now, but um, didn't have to be every interaction with God like a transaction in a sense. Mm-hmm. That's such, a, I'm just in my 30s and just starting to learn that and just enjoy that so much. I thought maybe not a transaction for me, the word was more like evaluation. I thought mm. every, like God is constantly oh, yeah. rubricing yes. my day, right? Like, well, let's go through, let's see in this <laughs> category how you do And it, it's kind of exhausting really. And it was almost as though in journaling one day, it was as though I, I felt as though, God through the Holy Spirit saying, like, I don't always want to be evaluating. Like, what, <laughs> yes. what is that? You have this image of me constantly with a clipboard and a pen. And even yeah. if it's good, even if it's like, wow, you had an awesome day, or you know, whatever, it's still evaluatory. And like, yes. that's not what this is. And that has been really helpful and freeing and actually led me to enjoy and long for. As the psalmists talk about yes. God, yes. as though he's like someone worth knowing and desiring and spending time with. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, I think centering prayer, for example, has become one of the practices where I've been able to come just as I am. It just, for me, I think I had a very performative. um, So when you talk about the evaluation, I I also resonate with that. And there are moments there where I truly feel that peace that uh, overpasses all understanding. You know, mm-hmm. in a very mysterious way, yeah. I would say, and so um, yeah, it's just I think I've I've gained a, a true appreciation for in, embodied practices. Um, so just practices that awaken all the senses and um, just call forth for for yourself to show up as your as your whole self mm. um, in this holistic way. I just feel like that's the way where I've been connecting more to God. So going on hikes. Mm. Um, you know, the centering prayer, just those practices truly have been very enriching. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that uh, that thought of evaluation versus friendship, I feel like it's something I've always kind of had in the back of my mind, but I've never really put into words. But when I'm like going around, when I go to hang out with my friends, I don't, as he said, just bring a clipboard and go <laughs> yeah. through like, all right, guys, how'd we do on this today? You wouldn't have any friends if you did. For the, <laughs> if you did that for very long. <laughs> Probably not. So... Sarah, you mentioned poetry, and I knew this about you already, that you're someone who loves poetry, and I think that's what makes you such a gifted teacher. What if I said, who cares? Like, poetry doesn't matter. It's not helpful for anything. Then Mr. Hiscus would come down here, too. And yeah, Hiscus and Sarah would just beat together. me up. Well, how, how do you answer that question to somebody? I'm sure you have, or maybe you will have students who say, what's the point of poetry? Yes, absolutely. What is the point? You want what me to say What is the point? Yeah, I have Cam ask What's you, the point of poetry? <laughs> yeah. Well, Cam, let me answer. We just truly have become, um, without making generalizations, but just a culture that likes to be productive, mm. you know, and likes to uh, keep an account of what, we, how we spend time and mm-hmm. then also have a product. Mm. Um, and so I think poetry is countercultural in that way. Mm. Um, and so I think poetry teaches you to be countercultural uh, just by, by the mere fact of, of those words on a page that make you slow down and make you pay attention to moments. Um, yeah. So I think they open your eyes, they open your ears, they open your mind, they open your heart. Um, and like I said, I love the aspect of approaching a person in that holistic way. And I think poetry has this beautiful, gentle way of doing that. Um, and I believe in the power of poetry where even if a student reads something and just says like, Ugh, I didn't get anything. Um, I believe that maybe at one day or at one point, uh, a phrase will come back and that student won't even know where that phrase comes back. Uh, um, and so I think there's there's an alive spirit in poetry that I truly believe in. And um, I love those questions, you know, of like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why I see such richness in poetry. And it, it just can't be uh, quantified. Mm. And so, um, but there's something there. There's, there's a mystery there. Yeah, no, yeah. to like, even right now, just like, thinking about outside like I look at it and I'm like oh yeah it's nice but I I look at it again and I'm like it's really nice like the sky <laughs> the grass yes. and I just there's so much more when you really sit to think about something instead of just like you know giving it a look and then yep that's good moving on with the day and I guess that's what you were saying poetry really makes you like think and focus on something and really enjoy a moment. Hmm. Slow down and pay attention. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think you could go write a poem right now. Like, I have submit been thinking it to about it this it's entire really, time. It's yeah. really nice outside. It is really That's nice. That's a great it's poem right there, Cam. <laughs> Might want to spice up some adjectives there, but I like you got a good start. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> the first sunny little day rough in a draft there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know You're Billy Collins' introduction to poetry? I, we just read it today, actually. Uh, oh, creative writing. Get out of here. I know. I just love that. I mean, that kind of gets at Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, look it up, first of all. It's such a, just a beautiful poem. Beautiful But one, Billy yes. Collins, a poetry teacher, is frustrated with what, how his students are engaging the poetry, and he's describing what he wants to happen, how he wants them to read. And he gives these beautiful, vivid images of holding up a color slide to a light or... Yes. or um, like water skiing through water a skiing. poem and then waving at the author by the shore. Yeah, like a mouse, dropping right a mouse. Now. 
And then he ends with, but all they want to do is tie the poem to a chair and beat it with a hose to find out what it really means. (laughs) This kind of, like you mentioned, that transactional, I want to get to the productive part of this. And he's saying, no, that's not what this is. You're misusing it. Just like, you know, pare it down to what's the point? What's the <laughs> one point? What's the yeah. one thing I can remember? Because poets write and in some I'm, cryptic language. Yes, and, exactly. And like, okay, what does this mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I need to do. I need to figure out the meaning behind this. But no. Just apparently, to, I have to slow down. Yeah, yeah, apparently. I gotta <laughs> yeah, just take ex- it for how it is. Experience it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, experience, experience. It's a good word. Hey, we got just a couple minutes, Sarah. Can I ask this question? You mentioned earlier that teachers were some of the most influential people for you growing up. So I think I can answer part of this question already just from what I hear students talking about you even already or back when you student taught here. But how do you want to influence students? Maybe I'll say it like this. What do you want to happen in these 10th graders, 11th graders as they spend time in your English class? Yes. Um, so this is something that I think I'm learning in my, you know, almost 30 years of life, um, where the idea of inherent worth um, and where that comes from um, and coming from, you know, my, my definition for, as being made from the image of God um, and how everyone has that. So we all have inherent worth. Um, and like I mentioned before, I think I have this very um, productive, you know, mindset um, or performative mindset. And so I think that was something that was lost throughout um, my many years through education, mm. because I think with education, you have to be evaluated all the time. You know, it's just how mm-hmm. the education system works. And I got very good at that. You know, I got very good at knowing what teachers were looking for um, and what I needed to do to get the A or to get all my points. Um, But then that kind of seeped into other areas of my life Mm. where um, I was always looking to do the perfect job, right, to get all the points in life. But it just doesn't work that way. Um, And so I think my inherent worth was lost or at least my perception of my inherent worth was lost. And so I think in my classes, that's something that I would love to gift students. And maybe it's just something in the way that that I I am and I embody it, because um, it's a hard lesson to transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just the idea of... You know, I like saying, for example, like this test doesn't define you. And then students come back with like, yes, it does, my scholarships and all of that. Um, And so to free them a little bit of that, I understand the constraints um, of of those evaluations and those tests and the systems. I think I just, I want to give students um, a different way of of being in my classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And I Mm, think in my classroom. Different way of being in your classroom. I I really love that. Yes, and I think like... and I think I want just like delight and play and awe and wonder and imagination um, to mm. be just like loyal companions in my classroom. Mm. Um, and I think I'm, I'm still trying to figure that one out, um, how, to, how to do those things and how to bring in more embodied practices into my classroom. But I think if I could just, just alert students, um, you know, of their inherent worth and then everyone else's inherent worth mm. as well. Um, I think I would love love to do that. And it's kind of ironic, I think, because 
when students are free to do that, or at least thinking of my own kind of educational journey, when I was in one sense freed to play or with the biblical text in seminary, like free to explore and enjoy, Mm -hmm. I often became, because I was the most interested and the most excited, I would read or, you know, do the school kind of type things more and better and more thoroughly Mm -hmm. and more animatedly than I would have if I was just aiming for the points or just shooting for the rubric, exactly. you know. Yeah. There's a coming to life, I think, in, in education that, yeah, it's and it's tricky because there's this thing, right? There's these assessments that you're aiming for, but you're also, you can hit that mark and miss the real mark, yes, I think. Yes, absolutely. Just to be clear, we're not anti-rubric on this show. We're Sometimes, not. <laughs> of course, depends on the... I'm anti-rubric. Cam is yeah, officially anti-rubric. But, well, but some students need rubrics. Sure, yeah. And there are there's all kinds of helpful things about constraints or clarity of what's expected. That's important too. But yeah, there there's also and I you know, so we've been we're about sim- similar age, Sarah. We've been doing this similar amount of time and it's like I I haven't found just the sweet spot yet yes, of exactly. those two things are perfectly balanced, <laughs> yes. you know. I think it's going to be a journey, so. Yep. Sarah, it is such an honor to be teaching at the same place with you. I just constantly, I mean, I remember every five seconds post your student teaching was like, we got to get Sarah back here. <laughs> Sarah needs to come back. We need Sarah. Modeling your love for life and for literature and for poetry and just, but then also just your presence. You mentioned the inherent value. I think you communicate that just in your posture, the way you look people in the eyes. So thank you. Thankful that you're willing, you're willing to come on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. You rock. Thank you so much, Cam. Go Maroons. Go Maroons. Go Maroons. Go Maroons.